Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. All right, so we've been in a series called Make Room. Uh, most of the feedback I've received through the series has been uh, positive. Some of it is people are like, meh, meh. Uh, but I feel in my heart, though, that this is actually a prophetic message. I mean, technically, any message that declares and proclaims the word of God is somewhat prophetic because the biblical definition of prophecy is to declare the word of God. But I feel like the content of this particular set of messages is hitting a little bit different. I feel deep in my spirit that God is calling us to a deeper place. Uh, And I don't say that to minimize what he's been saying through uh, this ministry or other message series or other moments that we've had. Uh, But there are moments in our walk with God where we need to lean in. And I believe that this is a moment for us as a church to lean in and God is going to do something. Um, There's a calling for everyday church to be a place of healing. We've we've been saying that since the beginning. And I'm convinced now more than ever that we're just getting started. Uh, I mean, we're literally not, I mean that literally because we're just bare, we're not even four years old yet, but I mean it also prophetically, spiritually, emotionally, and physically, God is about to do something in our midst and he's going to bring great and deep healing. There's a deep place that he wants to take us to. There's a, a deep work of healing that he wants to do on the inside of each of us, places that we didn't know needed to be healed. Places that we caught, thought could not be healed, that we would never be healed. There are father wounds and mother wounds in this place. Wounds from abuse, sexually, verbally, and physically. Wounds from our past. Wounds from our childhood. Wounds from church. People have been used and abused inside the church, but God wants to bring healing and freedom into every area of our lives. And so as, as we move forward through this series, we talked the last couple of weeks about the Holy Spirit making room in our lives. We looked at... Uh, what's called the Shunammite woman, a woman from the place called Shunam in 2 Kings chapter 4. And we talked about how she literally built a room onto her house so that the man of God, when he came to town, could stay there, which, which he is a representation of the presence of God. He, she literally made a room for him to come and stay. And we talked about Zacchaeus in the New Testament, how he... Um, He made room by clearing out half of his wealth and by repaying four times the money that he had stolen. He made room for Jesus to begin to fill those places. Last week, we watched a clip from the show Hoarders, and we made some spiritual applications. And we talked about how there are two battles for freedom. There's the battle to get free, and then there's the battle to stay free. So once we clean out our spiritual hordes, and once we begin to walk in freedom, which was declared prophetically over us today, and we walk in healing, Satan will immediately come to steal the work that's been done. And we read that in Genesis chapter 15. After Abram had offered a sacrifice, Genesis 15, 11 said, Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. Again, notice God didn't drive them away. Abram did. So as we go deeper, as we receive healing and freedom, it's up to us to maintain that freedom. We, like Abram, must drive away the birds of prey or any other scavenger that tries to steal what God is doing in our lives. Now, I want to revisit 2 Kings today and read a 
Well, it was initially going to be a couple of passages, but I didn't make it to the second one. So we're going to read one passage, Second Kings. And um, I feel like another way to say make room is to get prepared. Um, and on some levels, making room and preparation, those phrases or words could be uh, used there interchangeably. I realize they technically have a different definition. But, for example, back to the hoarder's illustration, if you're expecting company, you'd have to prepare by making room if there was just stuff everywhere. However, if your house is by and large clean and company was coming, your preparation for that company would look differently than someone who just their house was a complete wreck. And so while these phrases uh, are different, they also contain a lot of similarities depending on the nuances surrounding the scenario. But making room and preparation are acts of expectation. Because when you're expecting something, you make room for it. And you prepare for it. I mean, when you're expecting company, what do you do? You clean. Anybody clean? Uh, You put out some air fresheners. uh, Open windows, whatever. Um, If it's a dinner engagement and you're a decent host, you find out what the guest likes. Right? You might get their favorite drink or at least prepare a meal that you know is something that they would want to eat. However you do it, a good host usually prepares. If you're expecting a baby or you prepare or you prepare or make room for the baby, right? What do you do? You get an infant carrier for the car. You make sure that there's a bassinet or a crib for them to sleep in. You purchase diapers and wipes, lots of diapers and wipes. The, the things babies can produce with their bodies is amazing. Those of you with small kids, you know. Uh, those who haven't had kids uh, for a long time, you, you've forgotten. Uh, so I got, I got two ways. This is going to be a little interactive here. I got two ways the next uh, thing could go. I can show you a picture, which I'll do. Throw just the picture, not the video. This is what changing diapers for uh, Bennett looked like. Uh, when he was young, this is pre-mask, this is pre-COVID. This is wrap your face and as much stuff as you can because it's bad. The, the second thing that I could show you, and we'll do this by show of hands, uh, is a quick video to remind you of what it was like. Anybody want to see the video? Who does not want to see the video? There's only one person. It's David. David, now would be a good time to refill a coffee. All right. All in favor of the video, say aye. Okay, you, I warned you. All right, here we go. Let's run the video. You cannot even imagine what just happened. This boy exploded out of his diaper, up his back, down his leg, and liquidy chunks type of poop. So I feel like I've been traumatized. What do you have to say for yourself? This is after I rinsed it. in his underarms.
Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we're talking about preparation. I was not prepared for that kind of mess that early in the morning. Um, well, to clarify, I was never prepared for that kind of mess. <laughs> All right, let me say it again. Making room and preparation are acts of expectation. Um, my children are embarrassed. Aubrey, she about, Aubrey about fell on the floor and I wrapped because we haven't done that in a long time. She was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I kind of look at you right now. <laughs> I showed both of them the video beforehand and Aiden was like, That's, this is weird. You did, don't, don't, I, I cropped it because I, I didn't have a shirt on. And he was like, you can't show that. And I was like, you know. And then Aubrey thought it was too gross. So now that I've did, they're like, oh, anyway. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, listen, when we believe that something is about to happen, we prepare for it. Let me say it another way. You can tell what someone believes will happen based on how well they prepared for it to happen. Amen. And that's what faith is. It's believing in what we do not see. It's believing that God will do what he said he would do, even when we don't see it yet. But because God said it, I prepare for it. Uh, before we read 2 Kings chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 9. A little, little backstory. The king of Israel, his name is Joram, is asking the king of Judah, his name is Jehoshaphat, to team up with him to defeat the Moabites. Jehoshaphat is a godly king, and Joram did uh, evil in the eyes of the Lord, the Bible says. Uh, king Jehoshaphat agrees to join forces with Israel, He's the king of Judah. So Judah and Israel are going to team up um, against and, and Edom to face off against the Moabites. And that's, that's where we pick up the story. It's in 2 Kings chapter 3. It's a great story. I encourage you to read it uh, in its entirety. As we read, I'm going to just stop and make some brief commentary. Some of it will be a little bit unrelated to the overall topic. But it's just some things I think is, are worth pointing out. 2 Kings chapter 9. I mean, chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. He says, So the king of Israel went to the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route seven days. And there was no water for the army, nor for the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? Again, Jehoshaphat's a godly king. There are multiple stories in Kings and Chronicles uh, that talk about him inquiring of the Lord. But as obvious as this point may be, I think it's worth noting that Jeho Jehoshaphat inquires of the Lord in his time of need. He gets to a place where he's like, this is just not working. And he's like, let's just stop. Let's just stop a second and inquire of the Lord. And as simple as that, that is, I think it would do us all some good when we just... We, to, to not continue just to push and push. But when we get to that moment, we're like, hey, let's just pause and wait a minute and ask the Lord well, what he wants to do. Now, Joram, the evil king, he just simply complains. And so one of the servants of Israel uh, answered and said, I'm continuing now with the verse 11. Elisha, the, the son of Shaphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And then Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your mother and the prophets of your, I mean, of your father and the prophets of your mother. Now, so Elisha is, is rejecting them. It's interesting because Elisha was the protege of Elijah. 
Uh, Elijah is the prophet who had called down fire from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. And then Elijah killed 450 prophets of Baal. Um, that was during the reign of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Joram is Jezebel and Ahab's son. All right, so here we have the spiritual son of Elijah and the biological son of Ahab and Jezebel. And Elisha's saying, look, I don't I know how your folks were. I know how you are. I don't want anything to do with you. But the king of Israel said to him, no, for the Lord God has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely uh, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or see you. The only reason that I'm talking to you right now is because I have respect for King Jehoshaphat. That's what he's saying. Then he says, but now bring me a musician. And then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Let me just bring a little bit of uh, clarification here. See, part of the reason that we have music in our services is to worship. And we did that. We sing. You, You can sing without worshiping and you can worship without singing. Right. Worship is not just singing in church. We've often we've just we've narrowed it down to this thing. When we sing, that's worship. But that's not all worship is. However, so we're here. He says, bring me a a musician. The musician played the hand of the Lord came upon him. So part of the reason that we sing is for worship. Um, But there are other things that are happening in the spiritual realm. Music doesn't just move us emotionally. Anointed music changes the atmosphere. I mean, we just experienced that just a moment ago where the atmosphere is one way and there's anointing on the music and everything changes. Right? I mean, this is a matter of personal preference for me, but this is why I like to flow out of the music into the sermon. And some places they'll sing all of the music or all of their songs and they'll do announcements and other things. And to me, there's nothing wrong with that. But my preference is I'd rather break the music up do a, a first set and a second set like we do so that we can come right out of the music into the message because of what happened, because of what is happening in this passage of Scripture. Right? This is why there's also soft music at the end of service. We're not just trying to manipulate your emotions. We're believing that God will flow through that music and change hearts. So he says, now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord. This is the prophecy. Make this valley full of ditches, for thus says the Lord. You shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. See, God promises that he's going to provide water, but his instruction is for them to dig ditches, not just one or two or even a few. The Lord says, make this valley full of ditches. See, God has blessing and favor and resources and healing that he wants to provide for us, but we've dug no ditches. In other words, there's no space or room to contain what God wants to do. In essence, we are tying the hands of God because we won't make room for him. We won't prepare the ground. We won't dig the ditches. We love the part that says, oh, the water is coming. But before that, he said, dig a ditch. I don't don't have time to dig a ditch. That's too much work. See, God is saying, I've already provided everything that you'll ever need through Jesus, through what Jesus did on the cross. But I can't fully release it until you prepare the way. I can't fully release it until you make room. I mean, pursuing God isn't always rainbows and butterflies. 
right? The disciples of Christ and, and the disciples and, and, and early Christ followers of old, they, they died for their faith. The least we could do is contend for ours. What promise are you currently waiting on from the Lord? What ditches do you need to dig? Like some ditches are easier to dig than others. Right, when you're at the beach, you're playing in the sand, building sand castles. In our case, we like to build monster truck tracks in the sand. The sand is a lot easier to dig in. But sometimes digging a ditch is a lot harder than that. Yesterday, for Emmett's birthday, we, we have a, a blow-up water slide, and uh, the neighbors had given us a... Um, uh, a, blow, a small blow-up bounce house. And we set those things up outside to let the boys play. And where I was putting the stake in to hold the, um, hold the water slide, it just it broke the plastic stake. And as I was hammering it in, like I could just sense there was roots and just stuff down there. And that's what digging a ditch is like sometimes. Have you ever been digging and then you hit a patch of roots and you just can't, you can't seem to get through it? Cutting and digging through those roots can be tough. And as we go through and we begin to experience spiritual healing, there are going to be moments where it's digging like sand. You're like, oh, I can get rid of that. That's easy. There are going to be other moments that you're going to have to dig down and you're going to hit some roots. And when you pull on it, it's going to grab a root over here and over there. And it's going to be hard work to pull that stuff up out of us so that God can bring ultimate and complete healing and freedom. I mean, God's calling us to dig ditches, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. I mean, some of you have people in your life right now that you need to forgive. There's a root of bitterness and unforgiveness that's keeping you from digging the ditch that you need to receive all that God has for you. He's wanting to bless you. There's so much we could say about this point, but I want to keep moving. All right, verse 16. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Verse 17, for thus says the Lord, "You you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet the valley will be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. You shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet the valley will be full of water. All right, so it's not going to storm because there's going to be no wind. It's not going to rain, and yet God is going to completely fill the valley and the ditches that they made with water. The text doesn't say how God fills the valley with water. It just says, in a moment we'll read it, that water came. Well, this verse is telling us that God doesn't always do things the same way. As I know, that's not rocket science or even some deep, unique theological thought. Right? We all know theoretically that God doesn't always do everything that He does the exact same way every time. But we are creatures of habit. We want God to do it the same way every time so that we know, to, know what to expect. That's not faith. For those of us in the room that have come through some struggle or even those that are still in the midst of struggle, I think it would do us all some good to dig the ditch. In other words, prepare the way and then take our hands off of it and stop trying to force God to do it our way. Listen, I've tried it my way and my way doesn't work. And I'd be willing to gamble that your way is not working either. I'll dig a ditch, but I want to do it my way. Or I'll dig the ditch, but I want you to fill it the way that I want you to fill it. I know I, I don't. I'm not do. I'm not doing that. That person hurt me so bad. I'm not going to that place again. I'm not going to forgive them. I'm not doing that. And God says, OK, that's fine. But I'm not filling that ditch with water. Yeah. Look, I'm hungry to see a move of God. 
But we can't be so committed to the way that he moved in the past that we miss what he wants to do now or in the future. All right, let's drop to verse 20. We'll skip up a couple of verses. Verse 20 says, Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by way of Edom, and the land was filled with water. When the grain offering was offered, water came by the way of Edom. The focus of grain offerings was worship. Um, Another important aspect of grain offerings was that it had to be pure, and oil and frankincense were also to be added. So a grain offering is a representation of, of worship, and it was supposed to be pure, and you were supposed to add the oil to it. And that reminds me of John 4, 24, when Jesus, Jesus said, God is spirit, and the worshipers must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The grain offering was to be pure or true, and it needed oil. We should worship God in spirit and truth. So the grain offering is a representation of worship. Now verse 20 says, Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by way of Edom and the land was filled with water. The word Edom literally means I will praise him. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> grain offering is worship. Edom means I will praise him. Maybe we could read this verse of Scripture this way. Now, it happened in the morning while worship was being offered, that suddenly water came by the way of their praise, and the land was filled with water, just as God said it would be. Look, digging a ditch is an act of faith. It's the preparation needed in order for God to release the blessing that He's promised. But notice that that the water came when... The grain offering was offered. In other words, the water came while they were worshiping. So what do we do? Let's recap. First, they inquired of the Lord. Jehoshaphat said, let's inquire of the Lord. Once they had a word from God, they begin to work. They dug ditches. It's important that you just you don't go just digging ditches everywhere and asking God to fill them because that's not how it works. That's how we get out of balance. Look, I believe in name it, claim it, and blab it, grab it, as long as we're naming and claiming the promises of God. But where we get off base is where we're naming and claiming the promises of self. Oh, let me dig this ditch. God, will you fill this one? I didn't call you to that. I said dig a ditch over there. Oh, but I want you to fill this one. That's not how it works. Get a word from the Lord and then dig the ditch that he tells you to dig. Once we get a word from God, once we've heard heard from heaven, it's time to get to work. It's time to make room. It's time to prepare for the promise. It's time to dig the ditch. So what do we do? We worship. We offer the grain offering. We worship because we know that God is good. We worship because we know that God is faithful. We worship because we know that God is a man of his word and he will come through. What he said he would do, he will do. We dig the ditch and then we worship. We dig the ditch and then we worship. And the Bible says suddenly the water was released through Edom, which means I will praise. We dig the ditch. We worship. Suddenly the water comes and I begin to praise him. God wants us to dig the ditch and then worship and praise while we wait for the promise to be released. I dig ditches in faith. I worship in faith. I praise in faith based on the word that he gave me. 
I praise Him like it's already here. Even when I don't see it. Even when I don't feel it. Even when I want to give up. Even when others are telling me that it's not going to happen. I keep praising praising Him as if it already happened. And I say, let God be true at every man a liar. I will stand on the promises that He gave. God is calling us to something significant. And if we truly believe that God is about to do something, then we have to prepare. We have to dig ditches. (laughs) Listen, I know these verses of Scripture preach well. You know, the right preacher with a keyed up organ (laughs) and the right atmosphere. We could all just be running around the building. And I love hype. Like, I love it. I don't think there's anything wrong with hype as long as there's some substance with it, too. I, I, I love that. You know, I've said that before. I love things getting cranked and jacked up and just, let's go. Yeah. But there has to be something beyond the hype and the excitement. Right. right? And we have to ask ourselves, what is God asking of me? What does God want to release in my life? What does he want to release in your, your life? What ditch does he want me to dig in preparation for that promise? Right, so you feel like God's promised you something. And in order for that to be released, you're going to have to dig some ditches, make room. You're going to have to prepare the way for the Lord to fulfill that promise. So let's put some handles on the hype. We've already referenced some of this. But last week I said that there's no shame in pursuing godly professional counseling. Let's say that you're battling depression and anxiety and you feel that God is calling you out of that. Well, for you, digging a ditch might look like it might look like cutting out negative movies or television. It might look like taking a break from social media. It might look like setting up the counseling appointment. Say, God wants to bring healing. I know he wants to bring healing. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. How do I dig a ditch? Well, maybe you just you Google godly Christian counselors and see what comes up. And you make a few phone calls. Maybe that's part of digging the ditch. It might look like becoming more active, walking, jogging, or eating differently. Because when we exercise, it releases hormones that actually fight depression naturally in our bodies. God created our bodies that way. So digging a ditch for you might mean, you know, I need to get out and take a walk in the morning or the evening or whatever. I mean, the weather's amazing right now. What better time to be outside? It's a moment of God has promised me freedom, but it's up to me to dig the ditch for him to pour into And as he brings the freedom and the healing and he pours into the ditch, you got to know that the birds of prey are going to come to try to steal your victory. That was last week's message, but you got to know that's coming. That's not a one and done. You got to fight to get free and you got to fight to stay free. Maybe there's a deep wound in your life where someone has hurt you. And we've referenced this a couple of times already. And God has promised you healing, but you can't seem to receive it. Maybe it's time to dig a ditch of forgiveness. And as you dig that ditch and as you forgive, God will begin to pour his healing into your life. 
What I'm saying is we don't get caught up in the, the hype of, oh, I'm going to praise my way to victory. I'm going to worship my, and that's, that's all part of it. And I don't, I don't want to downplay that. But I'm trying to elevate the aspect of, look, there's some practical things that we have to do. There's some practicality there. If God's promised you something, and I don't know what he's promised you personally, but you're going to have to do some work to figure out where I'm supposed to be. What am I supposed to be doing? What do you mean dig a ditch? I can't tell you that specifically. I can tell you that you've got to do the work to look on the inside and say, God, what is it that you want to release in my life? What ditch do I need to, to dig? Who do I need to forgive? What, what television show, what Facebook or whatever thing do I need to stop following? What, what do I need to do in my life? What input do I need to change? We talked about this so many times. Garbage in, garbage out. What's coming into my mind that's clouding my mind so that I cannot receive from you? What do I need to cut off? But I, I can't tell you those answers. I can just give you some examples of what maybe what you need to do. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to show us what ditches that we need to dig in order to receive what he's promised us. And I just believe that as we move forward and as we make room for him to move, I trust that he's speaking to you. He may be speaking to somebody right this moment of something that you need to do, a person that you need to forgive, a, a relationship that you need to cut off. A, you know, I don't know the scenario in your life, but God may be speaking to you right now in this moment. He may speak to you when you leave. You may be driving down the road. And just, you know, just a few moments ago, I was like, let's just be still before the Lord. Maybe you should do that. And we're going to talk about this some in 2022. I mean, God is speaking to me for 22 like he's never spoken to me before. Like I got so many sermon series in the back of my head. I can't even like I'm having trouble not jumping into 22 ahead of time. But listen, we'll be talking about things like that. There are moments where we need to incorporate silence into our life where we're just waiting on the Lord. Where it's not just all the time something, 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 something. There are moments where we just be still. You might jump in your car and not turn on the radio. Just listen while you drive. Finding a moment just to be still and just waiting. And I believe that God is going to speak in those moments. He's going to say, this is what you need to do. This is the ditch that you need to dig. This is how healing is going to come in your life. I believe we're just, we're just scratching the surface of what God's about to do. I hear stories all the time. People tell me things. I'm like, only God could have done that in your life. <laughs> Let's bow our heads just for a moment. God, I thank you that you're calling us to dig ditches. You're calling us to worship before it comes. I thank you that, God, that as we begin to, as we dig the ditches and we begin to worship before the miracle happens, that it'll be just like it was in the days of Elisha, that suddenly it'll feel like an overnight success. But people that have been worshiping and praying and waiting for maybe even years, God, there's a suddenly that's about to happen. You're about to release something into their lives. 
healing and freedom and deliverance and things that we've struggled for, struggled with maybe for years, God. You're going to begin to break those chains as was prophesied earlier, as spoken out as a declaration from the Lord that the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, as we pursue you and pursue your Word, that that sword will break the chains. God, I thank you again for your presence that's been in this place today. Your presence that's here now. I just ask that you would just begin to touch people right where they are. Why don't you stand on your feet if you're comfortable or you're able to do that just for a moment. We're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit just for a second. Just as Jehoshaphat said, bring me a musician. And as the musician began to play, the Spirit of the Lord fell. Would you posture your heart just to receive from the Lord right now? That might mean for you, it might mean closing your eyes, it might mean lifting your hands, maybe you want to find a place to kneel. But I just pray that the psalmist and the minstrel anointing that was in, in the Old Testament would just begin to flow right now through Adrian. And as he begins to play, I just believe that the Spirit of God is just going to begin to touch people's lives. Just posture your heart to receive from the Lord right now. Thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.